How do I feel, says Derek, about Leighton going live at the same time? Welcome to Trinity Radio. You found the Christian channel that loves, a, uh, yeah, atheists and Muslims. Uh, you had to think about that and for Hindus a second. Hindus and, yeah, I was like, what are they? We the, even love Christians, right? So much so. Yes. That, Dr. Pritchett, we have one with us today. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone say hello to Nick Quint, scholar, pastor, extraordinaire. Hoodie wearer. Welcome to the beanie show, Beanie wearer. Appreciate it. Only some of that is true. Scholar, pastor. That's true. I um, hope the Christian part's true, or Christian part's true, or the whole channel New Testament theologist kind of. Yeah, best intro music for sure says encouraged faith. Thank or, you, uh, uh, Nick. Um, just in case we have new viewers, because we've gotten a lot of new subscribers from our recent appearance on uh, Remnant Radio. Shout out to them. Thank you guys for having us on. I'm Jonathan, that's Braxton, but we're Trinity Radio people. But who are you for our, our uh, new listeners? Uh, I'm a pastor here or looking to be a pastor again in Southern California. I am a PhD candidate in New Testament at Ridley College, and I am a husband and a dad. Uh, yeah, yeah full-time attractive person. That, that's why this is on. I'm, I'm going the Tim Pool route. Holding us back a little bad, bit. Bad hair day person. Uh, also, you have a YouTube channel uh, called The New Testament Theologist. So everyone go check that out and subscribe um, to his channel. It's uh, I actually subscribe to his channel, uh, though I don't watch it much. He, you're honest. Yeah. I, I, keep, I mean, people don't believe me, but I really watch mostly homesteading videos you're and honest. fitness channel videos. Yeah, I don't really our- watch this stuff. One of our regulars is honestly atheist. You're honestly theist. You're just yes. 
right, so if you would talk about farming in Southern California, we'd watch. But you know, yeah, I also there's do no want farming to... in Southern California. It's all gross down here. You have to go to like Northern or Middle California for that. Well, I've only been to California twice, and if um, I'm sorry, yeah, and and Lord willing, I will. That will be the only two times I've ever gone in my life. If you want to know what California is like, there's a great uh, documentary cartoon about it called Gravity Falls, and I would encourage you just to check. Now it you out. had a good time when you went to California here yeah, recently. Yeah, it was a blast. Uh, you, you went, you traveled down the entire coastline, didn't it you? Is. And yeah. we're glad that you're here, Nick. But this is not a travelogue. So I want to say, Vera, where have you been? What the hey? Glad you're back. All right. So should we jump right into some of these clips and see what's going on, Pritchett? And Nick? Absolutely. Today we are going to be talking about Rick Warren's response at, at, that he gave at a press conference right after um, his church was disfellowshipped from the um, National Southern Baptist Convention. Um, so he made a, uh, I think he talked for about an hour and a half, but we've, we, we've taken out a, a few clips. So we wanted to hear what he has to say and interact with it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. This is a first. Braxton is the one that can't be heard. Usually, I'm everyone's talking about I move all the way around. And they can hear me. I'm just a little lower. Yeah, you're just a little lower. It's because I gave you the what the lifter device thing that makes you louder because you're never loud enough. But I'm getting that closer. Jonathan Richard lifts. So there you go. But that's He's right. In style. Um, uh, Derek asked a very important question. He wants to know what our step counts are, and that's that's important. Oh yeah, I'm happy to answer that. Yeah. Today anyway, I can answer that. <laughs> Uh, today so far I'm at 2100, but on the week I am at, excluding today, I'm at just under 12,000. And for the year, I am 10,800 steps on average for the whole year. Yep. So I'm at 22,457 for 9.7 miles. Of course, I get up earlier than like most people. It has nothing space. to do with it. I've been that, up since Everybody 5 needs to know. That the reason he has that many steps. Everyone who watches Theology Geek Fitness knows why I have this many steps. Well, the thing is, let's be honest. You do not have that many steps. I have that many. I, well, a lot of them are steps. Some some of them, most of them. He has a little pedal that goes. I have it. a pedal station underneath my desk. Look how and splendidly he it works. Put, see if you can just not talk for a second. He puts the phone on his leg and then he pedals under his desk. Trying to convince me that's the same as a man who weighs over 200 pounds walking that many steps. I mean, the same um, thing if you just put your, your watch on and just do this for like, you know, 35 minutes. Right, that's all that's, he's doing. That works, right? Well, but Brax is not telling the whole story because I, I, I he did not believe me that it works despite the fact that I have remained, you know, between 11 and it's 14% eating, bro. But, but, body yeah. fat. <laughs> I eat well, like 2,800 to okay, 3,000 so calories here, a day. Sad... What I'm telling you, he, he didn't believe me, so he went and looked at the research on it yeah. and then still wouldn't believe the I, research. Th I just can't bring myself to believe that carrying around weight on your feet Science denier same... Braxton has <laughs> said that despite peer-reviewed research on the fact that you will burn calories with a pedal station. I believe you'll burn calories. It's the extent to which you're burning calories. Anyway, we haven't gotten to my steps yet. And what's not fair about this... Or Rick Warren and the, the reason we're here for that You're going to take all the... You're stealing all my lightning. As if I'm... Was it William Shakespeare who did the lightning that you stole my lightning? Uh, 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 Mom, is... Dad's not fighting. Mom, Dad's not fighting. I'm not ready <laughs> as, is, as is uh, custom for our program, I steal all of Braxton's. You're thunder. stealing my lightning beca because 
Your steps are fake. Folks, he has 5,400 steps at most today. What do I have? 16,262, and it's not, it's just now one. Mm. Mine are real. These are organic steps. All right. Um, so there you go. Those are farm Here raised being... steps. What? Those are farm raised steps, I'll have yeah, you know. Farm. All right, let's get to Rick Warren. has no farm. There's only one person on this live stream that actually has anything resembling a farm. Um, That's me. Yeah, but who cares? So let's get on to Rick Warren. And I don't know how many steps he's had, but we'll see. From the look of it, not nearly enough. Bridget. So I've been studying scripture all my life. So we made this effort knowing we weren't going to win. William Wilberforce lost 17 years of votes in the parliament before the slave trade was abolished. 17 years. He was just persistent, persistent. This effort inevitably, truth inevitably wins out over tradition. Inevitably. As Martin Luther King said, you know, the arc of justice moves, but it, it moves slowly uh, in, in the right direction. And so um, I'm not surprised, I'm not shocked. And again, we did it for a number of reasons. I wanted to push the conversation. I wanted to start uh, a conversation that stagnated. I wanted to speak up for millions of Southern Baptist women who I believe their spiritual gifts and their um, leadership uh, gifts and talents are being wasted. And we cannot complete the Great Commission if 50% of our population sits on the shelf and is not allowed to be who God made them to be. I wanted to encourage the next generation of pastors. Okay, let me set this up by, by um, full disclaimer here. I Long-time listeners know I am an egalitarian, and I fully affirm women in the pastorate. Nick Quint, what is your position on that? Uh, I know same as yours. Right. And Braxton? My position is a very, a very soft complementarian that women can serve in any capacity in the church except for uh, the position of elder. A position of elder. Okay. And, and, and I'm a hopeful egalitarian. Like, I would like to believe that if that's true uh, obviously but i mean it's it's not even just like a, i have this really committed view like 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 uh chris state says about his physicalism he's like i, I hold that really loosely and yeah. this is one that i hold loosely not in the sense that i don't think it's true but if you could if you could give me some reasons to believe i'm i am very open to accept that position right okay so complementarian to egalitarians right now, having put all of our ideological cards on the table, I just want to say up front that most of what I just heard would, sounded to me like absolute nonsense. And let me let me explain why. And I, I we love Rick Warren around here. He's nice. Oh, from Rick. I thought you meant from me and no, Nick. No, from Rick. <laughs> I like Rick Warren. Uh, I'm not one of those heresy hunters that thinks that anytime he says something that makes me wince, that all of a sudden I have to throw him out of the kingdom. Though I, you know, I... Um, not like a super mega fan either. I'm just like, yeah, Rick Warren's fine. Um, but I, much of what he said kind of bothers me because he says he, he got into this knowing that he wasn't going to win, which that's kind of obvious. But my question is, why would you want to win? That's going to be the thing that frames my whole interactions He's with his comments. why he wants to lose at least a few yeah. times. I mean, so he wants to, he knew, he knew he wasn't going to win, but he says he's doing this because he wants to move the conversation forward. And Nick, this might rub you the wrong way, but 
the Southern Baptists have already had this conversation, and they have decided they wanted to be a complementarian denomination, which I am perfectly fine with. I no more care that a denomination is complementarian than I care that a denomination is Calvinist or whatever else. I, I don't care. So my question for Rick Warren is, why do you want to ha- move a conversation forward that most people in the Southern Baptist Convention don't care to have? What do you think, Nick? So um, I'm, I'm actually quite partial to what you said. Um, I, I think there is a sense in which, um, and I'm going to do a little psychology stuff right here, which I'm not trained in, so take this with a, a mountain of salt. But um, Rick Warren, if I understand him correctly, has been a Southern Baptist for a long, long time. He's been studying scripture 50 years, so let's say he's been a Southern Baptist for 50 years. Um, the Southern Baptist Convention was at least... And I don't want to use the word egalitarian because I don't think it's 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 precise. But the that you you did have ordained women in the Southern Baptist Convention, you know, since the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s, and that's actually documented in Baptist Battles by um, Ammerman. Um, and that's what the whole debate was over. You you can't have a fight over something if the if the thing doesn't exist. That's how we know Gnostics existed in the second and third and fourth century because you had the Christological responses of Nicaea and all these other things, and so. I, I look at what Warren's doing is like, I think that Southern Baptist convention that you grew up in that was moderate or at least had egalitarians in it, you know, certainly in the seminaries, um, that Southern Baptist convention does not exist anymore. And my issue with it, just not even as an egalitarian, but as a Baptist one, I don't like the idea that the Southern Baptist convention has that much power Two, uh, or at least over the local church. Uh, especially on something that Al Mohler himself said is a secondary issue. I have I have a quote, an extended quote I can read from Albert Mohler, the, pre- the president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary and the president of ETS for a time, um, where he called egalitarianism a second secondary issue. You know, doesn't mean he doesn't have convictions about it. He's entitled to his convictions, but that's to to disfellowship a church over a secondary issue tells me that this is not really a secondary issue for the Southern Baptist Convention. Which means the Southern Baptist Convention, I think, in the right sense, now has to actually do some soul searching. Now that they've disfellowshipped, you, you need now that you've tilted the ship, you need to figure out which way is up, and do so in a proper and helpful way. So I, that's kind of my thought. I, I think so. To sum up my long rambling comment, I think Rick Warren's Southern Baptist Convention is long gone. Those Baptists became Texas Baptists or Cooperative Baptists or just stay, just moved on, just became Independent Baptist or whatever, um, or American Baptist or whatever. And two. Um, I, I don't have a problem with fighting a spiritual war, but recognize that you are not the standard of the Southern Baptist Convention and that the Southern Baptist Convention has basically told you no. And remaining in that, uh, in my mind, if we flip it, you have LGBTQ issues in this in certain churches or denominations that are fighting for it. It's like there are other denominations for you. Maybe instead of going into someone someone else's house and not taking your shoes off, maybe you should have that kind of courtesy and take your shoes off when you go into someone else's denominational house. So that, that's kind of, I mean, I, I've got a lot more thoughts, but that's just based on what he said. That's kind of my 30,000 uh, foot assessment of kind of where at least yeah. I think the issue is. Thanks for that. And so just, just to clarify for everyone, uh, I think we're talking, I mean, we definitely are talking about two separate things. One is a theological position and the other one is church politics. And so really, like, even though we, the three of us disagree about this issue because of me, um, the, the truth is we could agree, we could, not that we necessarily do, although it sounds like there is some general agreement, we could agree that 
Rick Warren could be going about things wrong and shouldn't be trying to do whatever he's doing with the Southern Baptist Convention. Uh, we could say that and, st and st someone could still think saying that, that egalitarianism is unbiblical. But that doesn't, so, so there's kind of two issues going on here. I just want people to have it in their minds. And Pritchett is, is very clearly saying, uh, look, uh, Rick Warren needs to take his ball and go somewhere else if that's what he wants to do. Um, but theologically, I think Rick Warren is right. And it sounds like to some extent or other, Nick is saying a similar thing. Well, so. the, the, the thing that I would like to also recommend to the Southern Baptists, and I think that they made a motion at their annual meeting to do this, is talk about what it does mean to be in friendly uh, cooperation with the Southern Baptist Convention, because uh, Nick raises a, an important issue. One of the things about Baptists is the autonomy of the local church, that there is no top-down structure that can tell um, a local church uh, what they can and can't do. Now, you see that if I may interrupt in the American Baptist churches specifically, we are technically an egalitarian denomination, but Gavin Ortland is or is pastored in American Baptist church and he is reformed and complementarian last I checked. So again, it's how much Baptist do you have in terms of denominational kind of not power, that's not the right word, but say, how much denominational say does it have over the local church? And American Baptist churches, to better or worse, we've been fighting about all these sorts of things for a long time. Even if there's a general consensus, there's not uniformity on that question. Just to give a little bit more to what you were saying, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Now, I do think that any group of churches, Baptist churches that do want to associate at a local, state, or, or national level, they also have the right to define the bounds of those associations. So, um, to one, on the one hand, I can understand that it's, if, if they believe that a line has been crossed with the, with the local church, they can dis, I think they have the right to disfellowship them. But, um, at what, where is the line that you can? Because the Baptist Faith and Message 2000 is not a binding statement on any single Southern Baptist church anywhere it's not but this does raise a question or at least it brings us back to a question that nick posed a few minutes ago about primary and secondary issues so like the three of us i think here would say about soteriology or eschatology obviously there are there can be heretical views within certain doctrines but the fact is we're talking about things that we would call secondary issues al moeller was the one who used to talk the most uh, about the pyramid of importance or, or whatever and you the top the theological trio yeah, these are like yeah. the most important things the secondary thing then you got the, the third issues like what time of the service you take up the offering who cares right um but uh the the second tier where can get his wife braxton yeah where can get his wife <laughs> so here's the thing though is there are things that you and i would call secondary issues and 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 go to church with somebody who holds those views but if the southern baptist convention is going to have a minimal statement and then put certain things in it even if any person on that committee, including Al Mohler, would say, well, that is a secondary issue. Okay, but you put it in there. And now that you put it in there, doesn't it ipso facto, at least as far as this document is concerned, become uh, a first-tier issue or somewhere between a first and, and, and second-tier issue? And but not only that, Al Mohler is on record, and you can go watch the, the live streams and all that, saying that this is an issue of biblical authority. Like in that sort of kind of language. And I'm like, then how can you all say right, it's a yeah, secondary issue? That's what I'm and Do you want me to read the quote? I can actually read the quote. This is from uh, Kentucky, uh, Kentucky Today.com, Baptist Life Opinion. Um, 
and I have the link I can send, you know, so people can know, you know, I can, I'll, I'll, I can send it to you to post. Um, this is two paragraphs. I don't have to read all of them, but um, he says complementarianism is, is, which is the rightful ordering of the church and the home according to the rules for men and women is not a first order issue. I don't know of any responsible theologian who has ever claimed it is a first order issue. He needs to actually talk to a few different people then. Uh, it's a second order issue. That is to say, it's not a doctrine that has to be affirmed for one to come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. It's not a doctrine absolutely essential throughout the history of the Christian church to defining where you have the true church and where you find the false church. Um, and I can, but then he offers it, but it is a secondary issue. It's const constitutive of the development of a congregation and which is like, okay, so he makes it a, an issue in a, of ecclesiology. But the problem is, as I just mentioned, he doesn't actually think that when he's in front of Southern Baptists saying this sort of stuff. And so I'm like, all right, you, you can't have this both ways. You can't have, you know, provisionists, Arminians and Calvinists all sitting here as if, oh yeah, we agree on this. It's like, no, you don't. And you don't have a statement of faith that is, you know, like, and I put, I put this out on Twitter. I was like, all right, y'all, like, I'd love to see you guys actually hammer out an actual position paper on this, you know, a decision on this, because that certainly impacts the local church. It has torn apart local churches, Leighton Flowers to his credit. And yeah, I broke apart a local church because of my reformed views. And so it's like, Hey guys, like maybe you need to just do a massive reassessment of this thing uh, and figure out what actually is important versus what power you want to exercise over the local church. And I mean, yeah, Braxton, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to speak over you, but that I, I thought I'm like, I hundred percent agree with what you're saying. And I'm like, guys, oh, like yeah, this is. Yeah. And that is interesting to hear that quote, because it, I do think we have a problem here where you're going to say something's a secondary issue and then and then treat it as well, something hang on. more than a secondary issue. Let me go ahead and get out what is in the Baptist faith and message. All right. But before you do that, let me yeah. just make one clarifying point, because it was in Al Moore's quote. Um, there's a difference between something being a secondary issue for salvation and something being a secondary issue for denominational cooperation. Those are two separate things. So what can be a secondary issue for salvation can be a first order issue for whether or not we are going to cooperate in the same denomination. You're right, but you're being so charitable because the fact is, I don't think that Al Mohler speaks that way when he talks about secondary issues. Am I right, Nick? No, I mean, I think you're right. And I think the issue is also, um, and I think it's a very valid approach. I'll go with you on this. There's there's orthodox, this is, there's first tier orthodox, um, first tier, second tier, third tier orthodox beliefs, that these are things you must believe. But in terms of how the gospel gets worked out in, say, the local church, egalitarianism and complementarianism, or Calvinism or Arminianism, that is a first tier orthopraxical issue, because that, that really tells you who you're going to hire, and how they preach, and how they do visitation, how they uh, care for people that are suffering, how they deal with marital conflicts. Like, there are different approaches to that sort of stuff that will define the local church. So I'm happy to say, yeah, it is a first tier issue in terms of how you function in the local church. But what he's saying doesn't give me the impression that he's got that in mind, which I'm willing to grant for the sake of a conversation. I just don't think he's got that in mind, especially when he gets up there and says, this is a first year order, or this is an issue of biblical integrity or biblical authority. I'm like, all right, bud. Cool. Yeah. So the Baptist faith and message 2000 uh, says uh, it's article six. The church says, while both men and women are gifted for service in the church, the office of pastor is limited to men as qualified by scripture. Now that's going to be important for you to have in mind because that term, that word translated as pastor, it comes up in another clip, come up in yeah. a different clip that we're going to get to. So why don't we go on to the next? Well, clip? because I have one more thing that I want to say kind of that bothered me by about Rick Warren's statement that we just heard. The last thing I want to say about that is he's, it kind of goes back to what we were jokingly referring to as male saviorism 
the first time we talked about Rick Warren before this kerfluffle a few a couple months ago. Um, he says, "Oh, I want to stand up for all the women because fifty percent of the Southern Baptist women, or you know, fifty percent of Southern Baptists are being marginalized." Well, I I, I don't. Uh, <laughs> These women can speak up for themselves, and most of them have spoken up and say, we are complementarians too. And they're not being sidelined to ministry because, in fact, I think more than 50% of the SBC is made up, uh, SBC churches are made up of women, and they're doing ministry all over the place. Most Southern Baptist men are also not pastors. The pastorate is a tiny sliver of the global body of Christ, right? I mean, there are more Christians than pastors. So I, I see women in every SBC church I've ever been a member of or visited doing all sorts of ministry there. Of course. So I, I don't think it's fair to say, well, I, I want to speak up for women in ministry and they have a, you know, they're setting aside 50% of... No, they're they're setting aside ninety nine percent of all Southern Baptists who are not pastors. Women in the Southern Baptist Convention can one speak up for themselves, and if they want to, they can leave and join a denomination that would let them be pastor if they wanted to. They have agency. So this kind of talk sounds. I know what he's trying to say, but to me, as an egalitarian, I think he sounds condescending towards the women of the SBC that they need Rick Warren, the male savior, to come rescue them when they're already doing ministry. So that, Nick, you and I have talked in the past. They're, as yeah. egalitarians, sometimes egalitarian, our fellow egalitarians say things that make us cringe, and that happens to be one of them. Well, even with this one, and I'll kick it to you, Braxton, after this, because I'm curious about where Warren goes. Um, on the other hand, you do have the issue of, if a woman brought this up, some men wouldn't hear it unless it came from a man. I think, and I've heard that from the mouths of my complementarian friends. Um, they've they've admitted that. Um, and not saying, you know, that, oh, they're so wise and wonderful for admitting it, but I'm, I, I want to actually acknowledging that. If a woman came up and said the exact same thing, or a guy came up and said the exact same thing, he would be heard and she wouldn't be. And I, I've seen that firsthand with my wife. You know, we've been in churches. And so um, not every, obviously, complementarian, not, you know, hashtag not all complementarians, but that is an aspect to it as well. So maybe he's taking that and, Two two things can be true true at once. Although I I do get annoyed, like, oh, good for you, you've finally discovered this, and suddenly you're you got a megaphone and all. This. It's like, okay, cool. I, I mean, all right, yeah, whatever. It's like, okay, you're one fine. of the guys that's been banging this drum for a long time. You know, um, the here's a here's a statement uh, about this. Encouraged faith says, I'm with Braxton. Would love to be an egalitarian, but I can't get around First Timothy two twelve and other places. I'd love to hear Pritchett's take on that. So what? Good did, news. Hold you on, can hold on. I've added it to the description to this video, uh, a video from Trinity Radio Extra, where Jonathan and Nick, who's on the screen right now, have a conversation about the relevant passages. And you can for just, what will seem like hours. Yeah. Now, <laughs> I, it wasn't in the description from the beginning. I just put it there. So when you get done, if you refresh the video, uh, it'll be there. So. Yeah. We, we and don't I get feel around bad the passage. Because... We just try to interpret it. I'm just saying already. I'm like, I don't believe I get around the passage at all. I think, and I, I feel it. so bad because somebody watched our two, we, there's actually two videos on Trinity radio extra with uh, Nick and I talking about this. It totals to be like four and a half hours. And I felt so awful because somebody had said, you know, after I watched those videos, you know, at first I was persuaded by Mike series. Uh, we love Mike winger, by the way, he says, but after watching those videos, uh, yeah, I think I'm I'm there. I'm egalitarian now. And I was like, man, we we 
prattled for a few hours. Mike spent a year studying and making what 40 hours worth of videos. And then like, I felt bad for that. I was like, dang, because he put in so much work and we're like, nah, here's what we, I think. mean, <laughs> let, let's give us a little credit. I've been studying this since 2011 and publishing on it for the past like seven, eight years. So, you know, Four hours of you me prattling on is not just four hours. That's something we've been uh, a very for good a long time. point. A very good point. And you've done a lot of that research with a woman's perspective on hand who happens to also be uh, a theologian. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Your wife. And far smarter than me than I will, than I will <laughs> yeah. ever be. Although our son will probably be smarter than both of us combined at this point. He's reading. He's three years old. He's reading books. Wow. Yeah. Well, know you doing. know, he's got some good uh, genetics for that on both sides. Yeah, All right, yeah, so it's pretty good. A.E. Numa said, and thank you for the super chat. Thoughts on taxing churches to improve transparency and corruption? Not a chance, my 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 uh, left wing friend. Not a chance. But if you nope. want to go join the atheist uh, groups that are clamoring to tax churches, you can go lock arms with them. But uh, no, us. Mm -hmm. uh, Nope. Not because I'm opposed to corruption and transparency being brought to light, like I'm happy to have uh, happen in churches, but I do not trust the state, whoever runs it, whether it's the moral majority or the immoral majority, get away from my church. We can clean house. I'll just say that. And we have. So I'll just say Yeah. That. I mean, speaking of that, plus, I mean, there is to, to some extent, I mean, Congress has opened investigations into like uh, Kenneth Copeland and, and other. So, I mean, whenever there's impropriety, they do go after them. But if we um, don't move so. on to yeah. another video, we're never going to get there. OK. Um, majority of messengers have spoken at this convention. That's the democracy. And in democracy, the majority win. Uh, so those who oppose women in ministry, uh, they get credit for turning out their vote. As I said, I didn't expect to actually win in this. Uh, we made this effort for a number of reasons. First, I wanted to push the conversation that's been stagnant for years. It just, nobody's been talking about it. And people, we're in a culture, a cancel culture, where people are afraid of dissent. Baptists are famous for dissent. Famous for dissent. And uh, we're now in a, in a culture, where, for instance, yesterday, the messengers voted for conformity and uniformity rather than unity. Conformity is not unity. Conformity is faith unity. Friends, the only way you will ever have unity is to love diversity. The only way you will ever have unity is to love diversity. First, it wasn't unanimous. It wasn't unanimous. There were 1,200 people who, in New Orleans, of all places, this was not like last year's convention in Anaheim, um, to think that all Southern Baptists are now going to bow down to a single vote at an annual meeting, that's some fiat for women. They don't understand Southern Baptists. There's a lot more independence on that. And what surprises me, at the opposition couldn't even get everybody at the annual meeting to agree. And the annual meeting is all largely composed of people who want to keep things the way they are. Pritchett, you made a good point about this one right from the jump uh, before we got started. Tell, tell what you noticed there as a little bit of a contrast i will words. after the after the the, the next oh, i was the next one yeah. part of it okay. but but one of the things that okay but this, notice that he said there that the only people that come are the people that want, want, things want the conformity are. and uniformity yeah. and one of the things that i find interesting about the statement loaded with buzzwords about unity 
you know, is loving diversity or whatever. Um, now, that, that, those are common buzzwords uh, that, that we hear in culture now, you know, diversity and all of this kind of stuff. Yeah, but, I hear it at J.D. Group all the time. Yeah. Uh, there is so much diversity in the Southern Baptist Convention, and we're talking about diversity of thought here. Um, you don't know from one Southern Baptist church to the next if you're going to get Calvinist, you're going to get provisionist or Arminian. A little charismatic Are you going to get charismatic or cessationist or dispensational or amillennial? You have n- or and some combination if, of all If you're of talking those. about eschatology, there's there's no telling. Yeah. So there's there's diversity all over the Southern but Baptist Convention. Well, and that's a good question. Was he was he was he being ambiguous or was he speaking about theological diversity or is he speaking about having women and that being more diverse? There are women, like we said previously. There's women, there's there's women in positions on church staffs, whether they have the title pastor or not, doing ministry in Southern Baptist churches, even in paid positions that yeah. are all complementarian. Yeah. So so there that that doesn't work. And the idea that there's no theological diversity but I don't, I don't necessarily agree with the statement that you must love diversity or and to have unity, you must love diversity. Because I don't know that diver- too much diversity is not, a, when we're talking, again, theological diversity, is not necessarily a good thing for a denomination. Because if I move to another city and I'm a Southern Baptist and Southern Baptist churches have just kind of an innocuous statement of faith that every Christian on planet Earth could affirm, and, you know, there's no distinctiveness about it, and unless it's called Sovereign Grace Reformed Baptist Church or something, you have no clue what you're getting. And so I actually think that the Southern Baptist Convention would, it would help, you know, people if there was actually, you know, less theological diversity because if you if you talk about free will baptist church or the general baptist church which is like the free wills of the north up here in indiana the free will baptist of the north i know exactly where they are on most positions mm-hmm. i you know if you're free will baptist you know that they have three ordinances not two you are going to be washing feet it's not just communion and baptism mm-hmm. you know that no matter what free will baptist church you go to so the Southern Baptist Convention has so much diversity that you hardly know what you're going to get when you walk from one Southern Baptist church to another. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and hence the issue. Oh, sorry, Braxton, go ahead. You were going to no, say No, go ahead. I was going to wait and see if you had something to say. I mean, if that's the case, then why on earth, if you can have Calvinists and Arminians who differ on the doctrine of God, can't you have a woman be a pastor or a senior pastor provided she's following all these sorts of, you know, the basic ethical rules of the New Testament? So I just kind of, I'm like, it's like, it's, it's, it's a weird sort of, I, I get his point. I, I hate the buzzwordology. I'm, I'm so sick of the virtue flexing from just culture in general. Um, but it does beg the question, of, you know, like, oh, we can be diverse on our doctrine of God. Cause I'm sure that there's open theists in the Southern Baptist convention. I wouldn't be shocked if there were. But well, I mean, that's also ruled out you, by the uh, Baptist faith, the message, I think, isn't it, Jonathan? And I wouldn't be shocked if that's on the, the I mean, if Bruce Ware has anything to say about it, Bruce Ware will be uh, throwing that up there, but apparently you know that's fine but you know when it comes to provisionists and calvinists that's a doctrine of god that impacts every part of your theology if you're consistent and you're theologically in all of this so i'm sitting there going like wait hold on a woman can't preach or i should say let me be more specific. a woman can't be an elder we'll use the baptist term you know a woman can't be an elder but we can have calvinist dispensation blah, blah blah across the spectrum of theology of secondary issues we can have all of this and 
the Southern Baptist Convention was at least open or sort of egalitarian or and had a fight about this from the 50s to the 90s. And so it's one of those where I'm like, why, why is suddenly the issue of women elders or women pastors or whatever you want to call it, the defining issue of what it means to be a faithful Southern Baptist? I'm like, I, I think that's just, I, I can't use that word. That's donkey backwards. You know, that, that makes no sense to me. And that's an ecclesiological issue. I mean, it's not that it's unimportant, it's very important. But Calvinism and Arminianism or provisionism, that gets to your who God is. And I'm saying, but you can tolerate that diversity? Or yeah. how things work out in the end of eschatology. It's like, really? Like, wh why is this the the thing to die? And then I'm like, oh, that's right. The liberals were doing this back in the 80s, and we got to run away from liberalism, yeah. Nick, which is virtue flexing. I, I, I can clap with what you're saying with one hand, but the other hand just can't get there because I agree with you. I don't know why they make this the issue, but they did, and they have the right to. No, I'm so, not. I would never disagree with that. They, you have as a denomination, you can do whatever the heck you want. The Episcopalians can go off the deep end, and the Southern Baptists can do that too. You're allowed to do that as a denomination. You're entirely. That's why I'm a Baptist at heart. Well, you can do I don't what you think want. The SBC is off the deep end. Like the I'm being facetious, are. Richard. Come on. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna give me the uh, the oh Nick, that's too far. Come on, like, yeah. Come on. <laughs> well, I'm, I mean, listen, I'm enjoying taking oh, up for the opposite. Okay, boomer. You know, all right, fine. <laughs> Lesbian Calvinist bishops in the Episcopalian Church are not the same thing as the Southern Baptists not wanting uh, women pastors. Right, right. Maybe yeah. if you went with something like uh, Westboro or something. Yeah. Um, real quick, Jim Amberg, thank you for that super chat. And I want to hit on a point here while we have this. Susan uh, is also a Thanks, Channel Angel. YouTuber who says, when you guys have a chance, I'd like to hear your thoughts on the political component in the SBC. Now, she doesn't mean the church political, but the national political. Claims like egalitarian are uh, egalitarians are liberals, of course, eventually sliding into affirming LGBTQ. Yeah, it's absolute nonsense. Um, this, this kind well, of- Well, wait, let's get the whole conversation out because there's a little bit more here. Uh, Derek says to that, yes, I, I assume to that, yes, some evangelicals are making the case that the crackdown on egalitarianism is needed to keep away eventual LGBTQ affirmation. This is just this is just ignorance uh, speaking, because what they're doing is they're pointing to denominations like the mainline liberal Protestant denominations that have embraced all sorts of uh, LGBTQ affirming stuff that also have women passed. This ignores how tiny they are compared to like the AOG, the Assemblies of God, who've had women pastors for decades. And in my home state of Arkansas, a lot of those women pastors would probably be called bigot homophobes by the typical uh, left-wing LGBTQ affirming person. They say, you're a redneck homophobe. It's what they'd call the lady pastors down in the Assemblies of God churches in Arkansas. They're not bigots or anything, but you know, that's what they call them. And so I, this is, this is, I think those claims are way overstated because there are a lot of egalitarian. I mean, that's like, is Ben Witherington or Craig Keener LGBT? Come on. This is, you know, you can say that about the I, main lines, but when you're talking about evangelicals, like, and we we're going to call the AOG evangelicals too. I mean, this is, it doesn't hold water because the, the, the size of like even the Methodist church or, you know, they just had a split over, over the, that, that stuff. But if you're talking about like conservative Methodists and assemblies of God and uh, you know, the, uh, what, what's the, um, the American Baptist that you're part of, you know, there's, a, 
There's a lot of conservatives in the, in that denomination. I mean, there are there's a lot more theologically conservative egalitarians than there are liberal LGBTQ affirming egalitarian churches out there, and by lots. And by and the way, I'll the just... Assembly uh, Assemblies of God is a denomination that is theologically conservative, egalitarian, and growing. I'll just say two things. One, um, I, I don't have uh, the strength to say what David Allen said to the Calvinist who slandered him on y'all's live stream. But I would basically tell someone, go watch that tongue lashing and just substitute this out. Second, <laughs> um, the major books on the subjects that are academic, I can't see, there we go, by Robert Gagnon on the issue of homosexuality, he's an egalitarian. Most of the major academic scholars on this point that are egalitarian and traditional on their view of same-sex ethics are egalitarian. N.T. Wright, Ben Witherington, William Webb. You know, you can go down the list of the major people who have written academic monographs on the subject are traditional and they become egalitarian or are egalitarian. And I can say this too. I'm working on a resource. I sent it to you, Pritchett, on uh, God, sex, and sexuality, and asking the base and basically trying to assess afresh what scripture seems to say about this question sex and sexuality and gender. And my conclusion after my own work was that by being egalitarian and reading Paul as egalitarian, I cannot affirm same sex activity because of how Paul views male female relationships. And to back to, and I'm not going to spill that because that's a resource that'll be coming out um, from, uh, from, for an organization, but. Um, my egalitarianism is actually keeping me from going even more liberal than I would even like to go. And so that's just a personal anecdote on top of it. Um, I, I, I find it to be, it's not, I, I'm not like offended, like, oh my gosh, you know, my stars and starlets, I'm so offended. It's, I don't like being lied about. And I take it personal with someone I believe is lying about me or what I believe. Now, I could be wrong with what I believe and we can have that fight and that conversation, but I will not be lied about. And I will not take that from another below another believer. And I would not accept it if someone said that about complementarians and their patriarchal are chauvinists, they hate women, blah, blah, blah. I know that's not true. Stop lying about it. So I'll just say yeah. that. Uh, Gregory Fisher put up a comment about Foursquare Church. Uh, my friend Rocky Thomas is pastor of a four square church in the huge metropolitan city called Botkinburg, Arkansas. It has about I don't never know. heard of it. Yeah, no one's ever heard of it. Uh, I never heard about it until I met him and I lived in Arkansas. Uh, but yeah. Um, those folks down there are not LGBTQ affirming or even close or whatever. They would they would they would look at you and think you were going to hell for even, you know, uh, it's the, it's on how it's how you get how you treat the texts. Not it's about methodology and your heart of the matter. It's not what the texts actually say. Yeah. And that's that's you, you. Liberalism is a methodology. If are these texts oppressive? Get rid of them. Are they sexist? Get rid of them. An evangelical does not look at scripture that way. Complementarian or egalitarian. And yeah, I'm, I'm going to stop before I actually go the David Allen route and say too much. So I'll be quiet. Let's go to the next clip. Next clip. Here's the problem. People who don't like to fight have stopped coming to convention. Now, what that means is the voice of fighters gets louder and louder every year. Because, well, you know that half a million that left the convention, left SBC this last year, half a million, nearly half a million year before that, nearly half a million before that? Those people don't like the fighting. And many of them don't like fighting. And so um, our, 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 the convention does not represent, the face of Southern Baptists does not look at all like our annual meeting. In, in our research while we were doing this, we found almost 2,000 churches that have a woman on staff either call the pastor or ordain as a pastor. Almost 2,000. 
1928. Uh, the opposition kept saying, well, there's only a handful of them. There's far more than they realize. They're just being quiet about it. And the state conventions are protecting their lists uh, because this is going to be an inquisition now. And it's probably going to go on for 10 years if they have to ferret out 2,000. If they have integrity, they can't just kick out Saddleback. They have to kick out a couple thousand more, which means we continue to be the shrinking Baptist convention. It's not really smart to, when you're losing a half a million members a year, to intentionally kick out people who want a fellowship with you. The other thing is, when somebody is dying, you have to do surgery. The one thing nobody's talking about is Southern Baptists have declined for 17 years in a row. They can't pontificate about how great we are anymore. We've had 17 years of decline. For 50 years, they pointed to the liberal denominations that were declining with great pride. We're growing. Since the Baptist faith and message was 2000 was changed and voted on, we've been in decline 17 of those 23 years. And it's, it's going to get worse. We're going to have the shrinking Baptist convention. And if you have to kick out another 2000, if they don't, they, they lack integrity because how can you kick out a couple and, and not the others? Okay, well, that's just favoritism. And the Bible calls that uh, unjust weights. And the Bible says that's an abomination to God. In other words, you make a rule and you only apply it to some people. God calls that an abomination it's called unjust weights. And it's mentioned twice in Proverbs. And so uh, that's why it's interesting. Some of even my critics, people who totally hate me, actually said Rick should be reinstated. Because they said it's hypocritical. If we kick out Saddleback and maybe a couple of others, but don't, you know, it's like what well, Rick, uh, Rick allows, uh, uh, or even Andy allows uh, his wife to teach. Well, I allowed Kay to teach. Okay. But every Southern Baptist that's ever had a woman speak on a Sunday morning, they were kicked out. We'd lose half the convention. Okay. In this clip, um, I hate this so much. I'm sorry. Pra yeah. I'm screaming like pragmatism kills churches just as much as theological error. Oh my God. Yeah. Just shut up. I'm sorry. I don't mean to say yeah. shut up. I'm sorry. Um, that made me so mad. I'm like, well, it bothers anyway, you I'm because sorry. it's someone who ostensibly holds a position, your position or one close to yours and is arguing the wrong way. Yeah. He makes a it's numbers. It's about numbers. It's like, Rick, no, it's not about numbers. Boo -boo. Yeah. No, it's not. And stop. <clears throat> anyway, it, cringe. he makes a good point. He makes several bad points and then he makes two contradictions because in the previous clip he says everyone comes here they just want you uh uh conformity keep the status quo keep the conformity status That's quo unanimity and now fight. he says and now he says the only people that come here are the people who want to fight <laughs> and they want to argue over every little bit that was a good the catch yeah i mean well, which is it yeah, it's in greek pritchett we all know baptist in greek means we disagree so i don't yeah. know what he's talking about <laughs> well but but um, so that's kind of, but okay. To be fair, it's not necessarily there. There are a lot of things that if you watch, I watch the convention every year, and and I don't want to hear it when people say you don't go to a Southern Baptist church anymore. I don't want to hear it. The SBC is a bellwether for evangelicalism. Everyone pays attention to the Southern Baptist convention that's interested in theology and ecclesiology and and uh, Christendom culture in America. So, hush. Um, but yeah, um, they fight. They they were they had their their shouting matches they had their their dusts up like they do every year, but the fact is, given the fact that all of these fighters come with their pet issues, they all almost entirely agreed on this except for like a a thousand less than ten percent. There was twelve thousand messengers, a little over a thousand uh, wanted Rick Warren's church to stay. So uh, less than ten percent. Um, was the only people that, that that disagreed. So the fact that you have 
this denomination annual meeting filled with fighters could all overwhelmingly gather around on this one issue. I don't know what to say about that. But he does mention a good point um, before we start trashing him on the pragmatism stuff. The Well, wait a minute. On the numbers part that you just – because you just were mentioning that mm-hmm. and the pragmatism of all that, he says, well, it's not like it's a handful. Y'all are acting like it's a handful. Well, hold on now. There's 40,000-some-odd churches in the Southern Baptist yeah, Convention. 45, I think. 45. 44 or something. Right. Okay, so my numbers are actually going to be more charitable. So, like, you've got 40,000. Okay, well – Let's say it's 40,000. Of those, so what's 10% of 40,000? 4,000. What's half of that? 2,000. That's what he says has walked away or would have to be kicked out. That's 5%, right? Is my math right? I think that's 5% yeah. of the number. Now, that sounds like a handful to me, percentage wise, or maybe not even a handful, or maybe about a handful. But it's, and it would be the Southern Baptist Convention declining. And I'm not saying that's what should happen. I'm just saying. Yeah, two thousand churches is a lot, but it it's not it's not like you're making it sound. It's kind of more like the Baptists were making it sound. Right? It, it depends yeah, on how big cool. those churches are and how much they give. Let, let's be pragmatic, yeah, equally pragmatic. It, if well, those churches are five hundred to a thousand to two thousand to five thousand, those are the churches that have that, and they get disfellowshipped. I mean, let's face it, follow the money. Like, let's be equally pragmatic about it. Well, okay. So his one, so he has two good points here. Uh, point. Actually, more than one. He had two good points. The, the first good point is I agree with him, biblically, that if you kick Saddleback out, you have to, in order to be consistent, go through and kick out uh, all the other ones that have ordained uh, women pastors, because I think mm-hmm. it is wrong to kick out Saddleback and not kick all the other churches out. For pragmatic reasons, because if we're going to jump up down his throat for pragmatism, which I, I know y'all are chomping at the bit to do, then we can equally jump down the Southern Baptist Convention's throat for the same kind of pragmatism if they have uneven scales, which God abhors. Rick Warren is exactly right about that. That's the first good point. The second good point What's good is, for the yeah, two thousand years of of are since two thousand they've had twenty three years, seventeen of decline. Now the denomination Al Mohler himself has said that the statement of faith. From the 63 Baptist Faith and Message to the 2000 Baptist Faith and Message went more conservative. Now, you have shrunk by going more conservative, which still, which he's right, takes away some of the bragging rights that as these other denominations go more liberal, they shrink. We go more conservative. We don't. No, you're shrinking sometimes as big as half a million members a year. And what, what, why are you saying the Southern Baptist Convention went more conservative because of the BFNM 2000? Yeah, Al Mohler said but, it's a more okay. conservative. Well, of course, his whole legacy is making it more conservative. But the thing about it is, uh, is why should I think that the Baptist faith and message being more conservative means that the Southern Baptist Convention, in fact, is more conservative? I can't say that because that document changed, that's why we got more conservative over the next 10 years or something or 20 years. Yeah, well— but but the point is the denomination is shrinking mm-hmm. and it is shrinking as it went more conservative, just as a lot of these mainline liberal uh, mainline Protestant denominations have shrank to nothing by going more liberal. Now, part of the in, reason is because the, they've shrank in, defense in of terms Brackham, of baptisms since like what, the 50s yeah. or something. <laughs> now, some of that might just be due to the fact that Christianity is on the decline in the United States in general. But I. But also That's, the Southern ba- the Southern Baptist Convention dwarfs all these other denominations, so their decline 
will take longer, but that doesn't mean that they're not having a decline, even as they go more conservative, because again, culture has shifted away from Christianity to the point that conservative or, you know, they don't like conservative denominations for being conservative and they don't like liberal denominations because there's like, what's the point? So that could be an issue. So about shrinking denominations versus not all denominations are shrinking, but I don't know that going egalitarian is going to reverse that because it's only like you said, 5% of the, but I, I, I well, think, like, like, hold on. but he does have a valid point. It is shrinking sure. and, and, it, and you're going to shrink it worse if you're, biblically consistent and you kick out all of them which i think this well, we'd, be, we, we'd be a lot bigger if we started affirming lgbt stuff in one respect i mean you know you can't just say not really well i mean you'd yeah. have a whole new convention but i mean yeah. i'm just saying like if you want to be a person actually nick's right uh churches that tend to go woke tend to go right broke, because right? No, because <laughs> but, because conservatives yeah, that, that tithing no goes things, broke. i don't want your conservative stuff and if you're LGBT affirming and liberal and all that, you're like, what's the point of Christianity then but, if you're not going to be Christian? But the Christian, point I'm trying to make so. is if it was just about numbers, we might change all number, all manner of things to try and get those numbers up. Right. But that is not what it's supposed to be about. And it could be that Rick Warren is trying to appeal to uh, convention leaders and pastors when he says things like that who, who are in a position to make a difference because he thinks that might move them because he knows that pastors do have to think about the numbers on occasion. And so maybe that's something that would move them. Like, hey, but, let's not let's not expedite the decline by kicking out five, right, right. Five you know, like, percent more. Like they the, may not say that. Like that's the thing that in the coffee shop afterwards they'll talk about the theology and then they'll kind of lean in and saying, "Dude, I don't know if we can lose two. <laughs> you know, yeah, the, he's counting on those kind of conversations. I think with that, but that is not ideally the conversation you would want to have. You would want to have the conversation that, hey, if the Bible teaches, let's say, if the Bible teaches eternal conscious torment a futurist understanding of end times, Calvinism, young earth creationism, if it teaches all these things, whatever it teaches, whether we like them or not, by golly, that's the truth, and that's what we're going to stand on. Yeah, well, um, but here's the thing. I, I, he said he heard from, I don't know, some 16,000 uh, pastors responded to something he sent out. But, but what I'm curious about, he said he found close to 2,000 churches that um, were— had women pastors mm -hmm. i don't know what he did but i can go to any association and look at all the southern baptist churches go to their staff pages and find women where the web designer put woman pastor say that where the web designer put woman pastor Come on now. next to the 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 uh the children's minister it says it says children's pastor and then it says worship pastor be some guy and the senior pastor be some guy and yet if you ask the children's minister, the children's pastor, where they didn't change it to minister, she may be a complementarian right. who does not believe at all that women should be pastors. But Rick Warren's like, aha, aha I found another found, one. Found one, and you don't know if that if that's just a web guy who put pastor next to every staff member, whether they know, but you know, whether well, before they, before Nick comes back, and that is an incredible point that needs to be made because it could well be that way in a lot of cases, or it might not. It might be that he was much more cautious or whoever. Chris in Christ says, I'm a Southern Baptist, complementarian, a woman, but reformed. So there you go. It's not oppressive to follow scripture. God gives us his way to live an abundant life. Now this is, this. okay, now this goes back to this issue. Like if egalitarianism is true, I want to know it not just for my own edification, 
but also because if compliment, I mean, sorry, if egalitarianism is true, then what that means is that means there are a lot of women that God has called to this position who are not allowed in their denomination to hold this position, despite God telling them to hold the position. Go, okay? go to another so, denomination then. Well, I know, but I'm just saying that, that this, if like the Southern Baptist Convention is telling the world, this is our position, but it's the right position. Right. And, and I do agree that if egalitarianism is true, then it would be uh, impeding the work of God in, in many women's lives. And so same I, with cessationism. I think it's right. I think, well, like wait, if, if cessationism is false, then right, all of these yes. churches telling people if if, if something weird coming out of your mouth, you better put your hand over your mouth because that's of the devil when the Holy right. Spirit is and, trying and to speak I, in tongues through somebody. And this is right? something I mean, that yeah. Nick, if Nick, if you, you I get probably, it. probably thought of all this before, but if you haven't ever thought of this, then you need to be allowed to talk. But if if you haven't thought of this before, Nick, it occurred to me while we're doing this that as a complementarian who has spent most of his life in Southern Baptist churches, including being a Southern Baptist pastor's son and pastor and youth pastor and evangelist and president of the Southern Baptist Convention or the evangelism. Uh, what am I? Conference of Southern Baptist Evangelist president at one time. I can tell you that what Chris says right here, this is Chris. She's a Southern Baptist complementarian woman. That is very validating to complementarian men in the Southern Baptist Convention. They say, you act like you say all these women are getting held back. Why all the godly women I know in the Southern Baptist Convention are saying that they are glad that it's that way. Yeah. They believe in complementarianism. I am married to a complementarian Yeah, yeah you're woman. married to a complementarian. And I think that's affirming to men. And maybe that needs to be called out that, hey, you can't, like, if egalitarianism is true, you can't hide behind the fact that they're complementarian yeah. women. Trinity College of the Bible and Theological Seminary is like my own marriage. We are not a denominational seminary, nor are we a church. So we can all get along and fellowship together. We can all, you know, I mean, you should be able to be friends with people that disagree with you theologically. Honestly. But anyway, it's not an operational problem for us to all have a variety of views across the faculty of Trinity. Our diversity, if we want to use that word, in theological thought is part of what attracts a lot of people to Trinity because we're not... You know, I mean, we're just a typical non-denominational or multi-denominational seminary that you can hear a variety of perspectives. We attend churches that allow for a variety of perspectives and everyone gets along just fine. However, this is not my world. And so the Southern Baptist Convention doesn't have to agree with me. And I respect the Southern Baptist Convention that they can be what they are. And if egalitarian women are being held back, they, they should go. Just like if you're in a cessationist well, church and you start speaking in tongues, you can find another SBC church that, that will let you're you making, do that. You, or, or whatever. You made an excellent point, but we said Nick could speak. Okay. Nick. <laughs> Thanks, Mom and Dad. I have so many thoughts. <laughs> uh, one of the, uh, I'll, I'll make it personal, and then uh, I'll give a personal anecdote, and I think that'll be, sorry about that, be good enough. Um, when I'm applying for a pastoral position, I look at the statement of faith. I look at what this church believes. Is it Acts 29 church? I move on. Is it a PCUSA church? I move on. Is it a Unitarian Universalist church? Don't look, move on. You know, um, but I've been in, I've been in enough meetings or emails with people where I'm like, okay, hey, your statement of faith is very vague, which, hey, I can roll with that, you know, I, but I don't know what you actually believe. And so I have to go and look and find out and have conversations with people. And then it turns out they are incredibly progressive or incredibly fundamentalist. Although I repeat myself, I suppose. And, and I'm having to sit here going like, all right, look, what is my job as a pastor? 
is my job as a pastor to go into this church, uh, let's say a majority complementarian or plurality complementarian church, and change their hearts by being accepted as their pastor? Or is it to preach stuff that goes against my convictions or what the convictions are of the church? And I kind of look at it as this way. If I'm one, I can go to any other church. And so there's that aspect as well. But one of the things that I think about is um, what we might call theological hospitality. It is not my job to go into someone else's house and not take off my shoes when I go into their house. Um, whenever I go into someone's place, I look around and go, oh, this is the standard. I can either walk back out or I can take off my shoes and try and have a, a cooperative, fun conversation or time with them. And what I see from a lot of the conversation, not here, but just kind of generally speaking on this, is that there is a decided unwillingness to even entertain the possibility of taking off your shoes. Or there is this kind of imperialism that we kind of like to do when we come to conventions or, or, or statements of faith or denominations where, well, everyone else is wrong and I've got it right. It is not my job to change the mind of the Southern Baptist Convention. I don't think, at least as I see a lot of the leadership, I don't think they have a vested interest in having an open conversation. They've made up their mind and that's that, which is fine. Have your convictions. The issue I think is, um, and the same thing with the United, or not the United, like the Global Methodist Church or the Wesleyan Church, you know, the Free Methodist Church, Evangelical Egalitarian Churches. They have it. They're, they're like, no, we have, we've, we ironed this out a hundred years ago. Shoo, go, go to the Reformed Church down the road, you know, kind of thing. And I think if we just had that kind of awareness of, all right, look, there is diversity in the body of Christ when it comes to these issues, have the conversation, but recognize that um, it is not your job to be an imperialist or a heresy hunter or denominational sub, you know, subverter for the sake of your own ego. Um, if you don't like the church or you don't like it, then you are free to leave. Now, of course, that only applies to so much stuff, obviously. Um, if you're in an area with only one church, well, then it's like, well, you're kind of stuck, you know, perhaps, you know, and, and I don't like the idea of virtual church, but, you know, there's things to talk about there. All this to say, um, I think Rick Warren staying in the SBC is is violative of what the SBC in principle, the spirit of what the SBC says, in violation of the spirit of what the SBC believes, the spirit of it, not necessarily the wording, because they do, you know, they use the word of pastor. It's like, well, that's indefined. Is that senior pastor? Is that elder? Is that associate pastor? Is that all pastoral? Can she do all the things of a pastor? Is she, but she's called a minister or a director or whatever. It's unclear to me, yeah. but I, well, I know in spirit what I know in spirit what they're intending to say. So for me being there and be like, it's like when I hear the phrase you know, on the doctrine of uh, on the doctrine. Of, for example, it's an Acts twenty nine church, and I'm going to teach, and I'm going to be a pastor there. And I don't know their Acts twenty nine. I couldn't find anything. But getting the interview, it's Acts twenty nine. And they're like, what do you believe about complementarianism? And I said, oh, I believe that men and women mutually complement one another. It's, we see the same thing with with Calvinists, you know, and 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 or, and provisionists and Southern Baptist Convention. It's that kind of like wiggle room squishiness. And I'm like, all right, look, have your convictions, stand by your convictions. Don't go into someone else's theological place and start swinging yourself all over their stuff. Recognize where they are. And it's it's just, I mean, and that's maybe I'm just too dirty of an ecumenicist, but I just, I, at the end of the day, it's like, oh, cool. The Southern Baptist did what it was going to do. Yeah. I'm well, I've got good for news for you, today. Nick, because we'll talk about the word pastor in an upcoming clip. But before we go to the next clip, I did want to point out the other contradiction in addition to them all wanting and pragmatism's evil. There we go. I said fighting. that. Pragmatism's yeah. evil. Uh, the okay. other, the other point that that um, that I thought was was um, a little bit odd that that he had said. Um, I I lost it. All right, let's go to the I, next I clip. I lost my notes. Here we go. Whoops. 
I did that wrong. This convention is aging. The average Southern Baptist, not at the convention, the average Southern Baptist is 56 years old. That's way out of whack compared to the population. And the average age of Southern Baptist at the convention attender is even higher than that. Now, let me just say this. These are good people. They're, they're good people, but they're aging. And the next generation of Southern Baptists, they're not here. Just look around. They're, they're not here, the next generation. Um, so I can guarantee you the change will happen at some point. Oh, the other the other thing that uh, I, I do remember, he said, you know, when somebody you know, was talking about shrinking and kicking more people out of shrinking, he says, you have to perform surgery. Well, actually, it seems like that's exactly what they did. <laughs> just get out of so the I pool. wanted to point that out as well. I think he used a, a bad analogy in that last clip. Now, and this clip uh, raises all kinds of interesting things that I want to get y'all's perspective on. Um, I brought it up because uh, I, I got curious. The average age of um, this typical Southern Baptist is 56 years old. So I went and fact-checked him on that, and turns out he's correct. Uh, there was a 2000... 20 study conducted by the uh, Harvard University's Cooperative Election Study that had over 61,000 respondents. So that's, that's a good a sample size. Good sample size, right? And they that study concluded that, that Southern Baptists are indeed 55.5 years old. Uh, I guess I can send you that link we put in the description because it's we, very interesting. Uh, people will believe that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, for for uh, in case you're curious, um, Lutherans have the oldest Um at 58.7 years is the average age of a Lutheran. And then Muslims have the youngest at 32.2 years old. Oh, so we should become number, Muslim now. Yeah, I mean, Muslims... They're making a lot of their own yeah. converts. I mean, because when, when we talk about the average them. age is 32, that means you have as many uh, older than that as you do younger, which is a whole lot of young people if your average age is 32. Now, they're not a large percentage of the American population, <laughs> But as far as uh, the average age of them, it skews younger. Um, here's some other interesting things that I dug up from that. Um, Hinduism, the average age is 38.9. Um, if you're uh, Eastern Orthodox, um, 39.7, which uh, there was a young crowd when I went to um, the Eastern Orthodox, the Antiochian church here in town. Uh, yeah, but they're just there for the incense. Don't don't get it twisted. Hey, it smells good, by the way. It really, I was, I, oh, yeah. I, really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed the service. The religious nuns are the average age is y'all millennials at 42.9. Uh, atheists, the wait, age, wait. The religious nuns are, are the average age is in their 40s. Yeah. Oh, that's because that, millennials are getting older. That's makes my day. Yep, yeah. Y'all are aging up to catch up with me. Atheists, I'm not that old. Seven years old. Agnostics are younger than atheists. They skew younger by three years. Uh, um, no, skew older. By a hair, uh, 44. Mormons. That's because they don't know how old they are. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Mormons are 44.1, and Buddhists are, the average age is 40.3. Um, so I, I thought that those were number in the, out of all the Lutherans, the Lutheran Missouri Synod is the grayest of denominations. Um, and then the, the rest would be Methodists at 57 years, 57.9, Disciples of Christ, 57.6, and the Episcopalian Church of the United States of America at 57.2. Uh, so, yeah, a lot of these evangelicals and mainline churches, um, the average age is skewing older. Um, that is worrisome because if you think about the size of my, my generation is sandwiched between 
you guys and the boomers, right? The Generation X, we're smaller. You guys are 80 million. The boomers are 80 million. Uh, and and that'll go down as the years go on, sadly. Um, but we're about 44, 47 million Gen Xers. And so when you have the average age of a Southern Baptist, and a lot of these you know, evangelicals are aged higher than, than other religions, except for like Eastern Orthodoxy and um, then non-Christian religions like Islam, uh, Mormonism, and then you have the atheists, agnostics, and Buddhists. Uh, Christianity is aging out. Yeah, well, there are some, there's all kinds of things we could talk about with respect to that that are interesting. Like, for example, is are, are the, some of these cultures, like with Hinduism and stuff, you have more of a corporate way of looking at these sorts of things. Um, same with very Eastern, you know, more Eastern religions like, like that. And then with uh, Mormons, we see, I'm not surprised to see it in the 40s, people. Um, we've been hearing for a long time with Mormonism that when people get to early uh, adulthood, they tend to leave Mormonism in, in high percentages. Uh, that may be true of the Southern Baptist Convention as well. I don't know. But um, Muslims, they are birthing their own. It's, I mean, that does you do have more Muslims as a result of that. And, of course, they marry uh, people into Islam quite a bit. And they, I'm, I'm sure they do that. Yeah, own, I mean, relative to the show. size of the population, but the average age of a Muslim in their 30s, that's, I mean, Christianity... You know, a lot of the the um, evangelical denominations better get down into the forties. It's not good. No, it's not good <laughs> at all. I'm I'm doing my part. I already made one. Well, Rick Warren's bringing us bringing that average higher. He's sixty nine, and he's the one making the complaint. Yeah, I mean that's another issue. Is it just lifespans? But he hired someone that's like in his forties. So I mean, there you go. Oh yeah, I think he's forty. So anyway, I thought that was an interesting point. And then I read an article here recently. Maybe we should just do a whole other live stream on this about um, there's no shortage of money being spent on trying to get younger people, you know, millennials and younger Generation Z in the church. They acknowledge that. But however much money you throw at it doesn't work. It's still the case that after what promise keepers were saying since the 80s and 90s, that when you have the man in the house, everyone goes younger. Nick, do you have anything else to say about this clip before we move on? Pragmatism sucks. There we go. Well. So they better start kicking everyone out because God yep. hates it. Be well, now, Baptist, now, now Calvinists, well, all Baptists have said for a long time, sometimes you got to prune the hedges before you grow them or whatever. Right, which know. is why a surgery comment didn't make any <laughs> that's sense. Why that's why it backfired. Exactly yeah. Um, clip number five. Oh, yeah. They're arguing over a word that isn't even in the New Testament English Bible. The single word, the English word, pastor, singular, you can't find it in any English translation of the New Testament. It's not there. You can only find the plural word one time in a list of five spiritual gifts that God gives to the church where he says, and God, when Jesus ascended, he gave gifts to the men on earth. And by the way, that's, that's, that's. Anthropos, okay, it's 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 humankind, it's you know mankind, like we talk about, and um, and he says God gave gifts, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and, and evangelists. It's plural, so we're actually arguing over a term. I actually had, I won't mention his name, but a well-known denominational leader say, Rick, if you would just change the the name of your uh, three ordained women to elders, they couldn't fight it because the Baptist faith and message says you can't call them pastors. People say, show me in the scripture where there's a woman called pastor. And I'll say this, 
I can't because there's no man in the scriptures called pastor either. So that's a moot question. While there's no women called pastors, there's no men. There's not a single man in scripture called a pastor. Um, I am of the position that when you're talking about elder, overseer, bishop, pastor, that these can be used interchangeably. They are colloquially. Mm -hmm. So my problem with this is he's technically correct with respect to the Baptist faith and message. But colloquially, when they say pastor, they mean elder, bishop, overseer, whatever. And so this is this kind of argument drives me crazy because this, that's the Trinity is not a word in the Bible argument that we hear from one that's Pentecostals. So just because no male or female is referred to in the singular pastor, and it only shows up in the plural in Ephesians 4.11, Braxton Hunter is a Ephesians 4.11 evangelist, and I guess Nick Quince, Ephesians 4.11 pastor. Uh, I'm just a act professor and, no your teacher that's uh, in ephesians yeah. 4 11 too oh, there we go well i mean i teach <laughs> i teach teachers are you a prophet that's worse no are you an, apo- are you an apostle are you apostle jonathan pritchett you know what apostle much, prime i would love to be <laughs> that would just be awesome i would love to have the the lowercase a uh but have it there are people within a mile of this building who call themselves apostle so yeah i know i'd love to have that time but you have to be given I guess you don't. You just start calling yourself Apostle Prime. That's yeah. what they did. Yeah. Well, I mean, I you're a Baptist. You can do whatever you I want. Pope Prime. So I don't really like this quibble, but I've got good news for him, just like I have good news for Nick, who brought this up earlier, this this this, this sticking point about a word. Yeah, but Apostle's in the Bible, so that'd be better than Pope. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> but I could run the Roman Catholic. Church. I think I'd just go Roman with King Pope. Pritchett. King Prime. <laughs> so, so they made a motion to ch- amend the Constitution which they have to vote twice in a row. But they also made a motion that passed on a... They have tried to get this thing revised, I think, the very next year, in 2001, the very next year, there was three motions to get the Baptist faith and message revised. And all over the place, there were so many quotes from Al Mohler and everyone else saying, no, we shouldn't be revising the faith and message, especially on a whim at a business meeting. But here we are in 2023 without... Any discussion, or not much, go back and watch the video on the Acts 17 app or whatever. Hardly any discussion, and someone called the question before, which is a which is a, a planned that, manipulative I'm sure. tactic for the person on the mic to shut down any opposition debate to call the question. Well, it, because everyone wants to leave, so they're going to say, absolutely, let's just go ahead and vote instead of listening to people rant. Well, now, hold on. The person bringing the, the motion can't call the no, question. No, but the first person who Somebody speaks in favor can. of it. And it has long been a Roberts Rules of Order move, whether it's whether people think it's cool or not, that if this they have it there so that if the if if the discussion is going on too long, you get can somebody call a question. Right. <laughs> but you can do that early. Right. And so with no floor discussion whatsoever, the first successful revision to the Southern Baptist uh, Convention's Baptist Faith and Message of 2000 happened without any real discussion pass overwhelmingly that they are going to add the words elder and bishop and overseer uh, or, or I think it's just uh, elder and overseer. I don't think they're using the word bishop um, but they're adding elder and overseer uh, next to the word pastor in that article 6 that you read at the top of the show so that there is absolutely no confusion and quibbling over words which means that when Rick Warren said uh, in a prior clip that well, if you just use the word elder instead of pastor, they couldn't say anything. It's not the Baptist faith of the message. No longer because they have added two words next to the word pastor. So it's pastor, elder, and overseer. And I think that that is kind of a big deal that they 
on a whim after all the other things that everyone has ever wanted to change about the Baptist faith and message with ver- no f- real debate on the floor. It, well, relatively what, quickly, it just went. Let's hear what Nick thinks about it. it. Nick, what do you think about all this? I mean, I, I take Warren's point. I mean, there really is nothing. I mean, the closest you have is, I mean, if, if we're going to go by Paul, at least in Ephesians 4, apostle, prophet, evangelist, shepherds, and teachers. Um, that's his ecclesiology in terms of if you're looking for titles. Um, and I, I, I don't know if I agree with the, the language of that these terms are interchangeable. I, I think that, um, I, I don't know if I buy that argument. I, I've read far too much of Philo and Josephus to think it's that cut and dry. No disrespect, of course. Um, but even if yeah. someone wants to go there, um, but, but um, the fact that they, they use it that way. No, we use it that way, but that's the terms of the first century mean that. We use it that yeah, way. Which, the which, they, but that's the, the thing. Southern it, Baptists. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, yeah, but that's, and, and I've seen Southern Baptists argue for it. Um, and I'm just kind of like, guys, if you look at secular literature, these terms are very different. It's not that you can't have overlap of concept, um, but I, I just, I, I find it to be, and so them adding that, I'm like, well, I mean, I guess that's what they're going for. So by all means, be, be as specific as you want. It's your church, do what you like, or your, your denomination, do what you like. But I think Warren's point, if, if the pastor, if pastor is what they mean, um, then yeah, he's got a really good point, uh, especially if it's applied to apostles and evangelists and prophets and teachers. And there's no mention there, at least in Ephesians 4, about any sort of genderness in the distribution of these titles or functions, depending on how you view them. So I think he'd be more intelligent, or at least his argument have a little more force if he basically said, look, these are given to the church. It doesn't, it's not said who these gifts are given to. If these are given only to men or only to women or to both, the text doesn't say anything. So it's indeterminate, or at least, you know, there's no reason unless you want to go elsewhere in, in the epistle. He made that point later in a different part of the, oh, okay. I think it was an hour right. and a half anyway. Okay. But all, all I'd say is basically, I, 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 I find the distinctions, I, I think there are distinctions between the terms and I think they're used distinctively. Um, if you want to argue for overlap, conceptual overlap, I'm fine. But I just, I, I kind of watched the, the conversation on it at the SBC and I was like, these terms don't mean the same thing. Uh, diakonos or, and doulos can mean similar things, but one often has a cultic connotation of ministry you know, or of cultic service or ritual service. And mm-hmm. doulos means a slave or a subordinate. Those can be used kind of semantically very similarly in certain instances, but they are distinct terms. And I think, I think I'd, I look at this other, the Baptist faith message, like, I think I'd rather honor that. So at least they're being consistent by just slamming all of them together. I really wish yeah. they just put the, and all the titles in their apostles and prophets and, and all that sort of stuff as well. But then of course you have the issue of Jesus being an apostle. Uh, well, women it, prophesying in Acts 2, you have women prophesying in the Right. But they're denying that apostles and prophets and evangelists are are actual titles. <laughs> Basically somehow these this these two titles here, or this one title here has preeminence over all of them. And Gordon Fee and others have argued very strongly that if we're going to go by logic and sequence, the fact that Paul begins with apostles and prophets suggest and i'm not saying this is definitive you know but the fact that these come first in terms of preeminence and word order and structure and sentences those are more important to the the authority within the church so this whole debate about prophet or about pastors or overseers i'm like that's not what the early church seemed to buy in terms of actual how the function of prophecy was used but all this to say not to get off on a tangent which i've already done i think they are at least consistent seeking to be consistent on this point even if i think they are consistently wrong so at the end of the day i'm like all right i had to you by all means 
Yeah. And just in response to that, all I would say is, and we could have a, show, a whole show probably talking about this as well, but we'll the, reason, the reason that some Southern Baptists and uh, see it this way, that these are interchangeable words is if you take something like Acts 20, uh, 17 through 35, let's say, uh, you have Paul talking to the leaders in Ephesus. They're called elders in verse 17. Then if you go down to verse 28, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God. So at least in a verse like that, at least it seems as though Paul is using overseer and elder uh, interchangeably like that. And so you could, so this is where some of the, these and cases with reference get to the flock. You know, yeah, yeah, you could throw in right, right. You can make a case for that, but I'm. You want to fire back on that real quick, Nick? Since I just threw that out there. No, I'm content with you to have the last word. We'll have a conversation some other time. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, okay. I, I mean, I'm not that. Bridget's got to have the last word. I'm just, I'm just recognizing I've got a kid out there, and I don't have as much time as I'd like to have that conversation. And I don't think I'd be able to have it as well, given the yeah. uh, the time, the timing, at least, of my son. How much time do you have left, Nick? Do you think? I probably got about another 10 minutes or so before. I okay. Let's keep bounce. trucking then. Let's and, keep and trucking. If you have any questions, well, yes. go ahead and throw but y'all heard it here. We, we have, can have that conversation. I'm happy to have it. Yeah. We have, we have, um, we have one more clip that we need to get to clip six. And then if you have questions for any three of us, we'll take questions after, um, we get done with our final thoughts on the next clip. Um, first let me explain that implications for Saddleback Church. If you don't know Southern Baptist polity or structure, uh, we are a loose-knit uh, organization with four totally independent things. Independent local churches, independent associations, independent state conventions, and an independent annual um, uh, meeting. What this means to Saddleback is Saddleback can't be messengers to the annual meeting anymore. We will continue to be members of the California Southern Baptist Convention. We'll continue to be members of the Orange County Southern Baptist Association. Um, we, we just don't have messengers to the convention. 99% of all Southern Baptist members couldn't care less about what goes on at the annual convention. They couldn't care less about Robert's Book of Orders, Rules of Orders. They couldn't care about, you know, the procedural arcane things that go on here. They don't even, they couldn't name the last three presidents of the SBC. I like- Can you name the last three presidents of the SBC? Bart yes. Barber, uh, J.D. Greer, there was one between Barber and Greer. Steve Gaines. That's no. it. I knew it was. I knew. No, was it? No. No, hold on. Don't, no, don't, don't, Greer don't, don't, was don't, three don't. years. Okay, so Steve Gaines was was after Greer. It was Barber. Letter led. What was the guy with this name started with an L that everybody got onto him for he, the plagiarism? The plagiarism dude. The dude got yeah. convicted or argued about plagiarism. Right. Yeah, that's right. Ed Litton. I hope he was convicted. Ed Litton. Well, Ed, I'm sorry, I should say that. It, it that's allegedly, right. He was allegedly, in my Okay, so we we kind of got it after much. Discussion. He was convicted spiritually if he plagiarized, right? That's <laughs> well, I don't think so. He seemed they still seem to be defending it to this day. In my opinion, uh, if you're still okay, preaching so, after that, you aren't that convicted. Yeah, this is what I find interesting. Um, he's he said they're going to continue in the 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 National Southern Baptist Convention says you're out you can't send messengers anymore however he's still a southern baptist church with the state of california sbc and his local association yeah that's fine that's i mean that's if that's what happens that's what happens is that not yeah. confusion though for the typical no. southern baptist like no more said, confusion than than the you have federal things than you have state things okay yeah. but 
if you're if you're I'm a Southern Baptist, right? That I, I'm a Southern Baptist. Why do we always go? I do it too. I Why do we always the, go to the Southern? I accent? heard they kicked out. It's not uh, Baptist. It's Baptist. Get it right. Baptist. I, I'm, I'm the Southern Baptist he's talking about. Baptist, right? That that's indifferent, doesn't care what's going on in the meeting. But I, I see a, a tweet or something on the internet uh, article that says kicked out of the SBC. And then I'm like, I live down the road from Nick in California because I hate myself. And I'm like, well, I thought they kicked him out. Why is he still here in the state convention? Why is he still listed on the association website? I thought the Southern Baptist kicked him out. How the, is he this, not? The annual convention, the, the convention kicked the him out. The national convention. But should there not be consistency? Why are you trying to change how the Southern Baptists do things? Because this isn't your denomination. I understand. But I'm asking... The typical person that he talked about, I don't know if he's right that they don't care. I, I suspect they don't. I, I remember being a Southern Baptist for 25 years and not particularly paying any attention. Uh, for most I've been of going those. to the convention my entire life right. until a few years so, ago. But you've been in Southern Baptist churches yeah. for a long time. Too. Do yeah. most people not care? Is he right about that? Most people don't care? Uh, most of the people in the pews don't care, but some of the people in each church, or at least most of the churches, care because— you know, they'll usually even well, the ones that don't send messengers. No, if they don't send messengers, they don't seem to care as much. Yeah. But of the ones that send messengers, they usually come back and report to the church okay. one night. First, Rick, Robert's rules of order is awesome, and everyone should go learn it because it is a wonderful. Who are you talking to? Look, I'm talking to Rick Warren and everyone else. Oh, speaking to me. Quit oh my knocking goodness, on Robert's. Like, no like one that. cares about that arcane stuff. I do. Old books are better than new books. And Robert Rules of Order. That's not is true. Cool. Have you read my book? <laughs> Old books are better than new books. <laughs> he does it to me too. Nick. Yeah. So Robert, quit knocking on Robert's Rules of Order. By he the way, Nick's cool. book and Nick's channel are linked in the description. Yeah. Uh, let's get to Tim oh, the Ancient. And, 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 and well, uh, Derek Beeler said had a super chat a while ago saying that. I always forget him. It's ceremonial. I'll come back. To oh, him. you did that on purpose. No, there it is. The perfection of our faithful wills is clickable in the description. Tim the Ancient, thank you for that super chat, says, what is the supposed danger of having female clergy uh, dis disobedience to God's word and to God? Amen. It would be the, the theoretical Sinny thing. sense, sinner, sinner, sinniness. <clears throat> what am I supposed to do if I accidentally get ministered to? Well, I'm going to take a I'm going to take a page out of the presuppositionalist book and say, look, <laughs> if egalitarianism is false, God can start draw a straight line with a crooked stick. Not that women are the crooked stick, but that. Uh, egalitarianism would be the crooked stick. Mm -hmm. uh, should I get that MIB That's pin to erase? Um, you'll have to you'll have to figure that out. Um, I, I don't I don't know how to access the MIB pin. Um, you'll get a theological to, itch no, to read a lot more uh, books. That's what I'll say. I I I I think there's no danger because I don't see Paul forbidding it anywhere in Scripture. Yeah, but if he did, but, but yeah, if he did, what would what? How would you respond to that? You'd say, well, we're talking about what we think the Bible says, and we don't want to be uh, disobedient to God, right? Fine. I'd rather someone become saved to be a Calvinist. And you're putting people, you're so putting, a, you're put, you, you, and you're probably doing this anyway, but we would know that you're putting a large number of individuals in a position to teach and preach God's word when God has uh, indicated that that's not what he wants. The only person those the, particular people. I understand. That's why I said I'd rather someone get saved by a Calvinist than be an atheist. Preach the right. gospel, except you. 
Not for yeah, me, right. Except the for only you. person in the world I could think that would not have that kind of attitude about the crooked would be John MacArthur. Would rather you be an atheist than get saved by a charismatic. But every other person on the planet would probably probably understand the point you just made. Well, oh, the Lord but, works. That's probably a good way. Just be oh, the Lord works. But here's what we think. Yeah, well, that's true. Um, what if she wears pants and she's really mean? Says tr says is asking Trinity Radio. Well, I don't. Uh, can I get a shirt that says Baptist? That's how I said you should say Baptist. That's how Leighton Flowers does say. Baptist. And I put it in the chat that way. And we'll maybe we should make one that says yeah. that. And put Leighton Flowers' face on it. But look, here's what. I'm all for making money off of him. So I had a pastor that you know in Florida ask me, who, who is an egalitarian, ask me at the table with you, I think. Mm -hmm. And he said, so you got two daughters, Braxton. And I'm like, yep. And you want them to do whatever God wants. I said, yep. Every time I've put them to bed their whole lives, I've prayed that they would not, that they'd be whatever they want. They'd be whatever God wants them to be. That's what I've prayed. And uh, he says, okay, but not a pastor. You can do anything else, but you can't, you can't be a preacher. And I was like, well, first of all, I didn't say you couldn't preach. Uh, and I don't know that you can't be an elder. I'm, but I'm trying to be as careful with God's word as I can. And so he says, oh, so they can do all this other stuff, but they can't preach. And it's like, shouldn't any thinking person be able to look at this and say, putting all of the rhetoric and all of the, you know, bumper sticker stuff aside, be like, look, I get that Braxton doesn't want to be offensive to women or take anything away from women, but it does seem like he's just trying to do what the Bible says. And maybe that's all it is. And maybe that's okay. It's like, if you think it's wrong, it, yes. Uh, pastor, I, I want them to be able to do everything that God permits. You know what? I don't want also my I don't want my daughter to become stripper, right? Is it okay that I want her to be everything that she wants to be? But I hope and he God would say you're to... saying that her being a pastor is the same as her being a stripper. <laughs> That's what you're saying, no, Pritchett. But it's the principle, right? <laughs> I'm using an exaggeration to establish the principle. It is okay to say I want my daughter to do, be able to do everything that God would have her to do and God's only going to have her to do some things and maybe not others if this position is correct. Right like God doesn't oh I want my daughter to be able to do anything God wants. Oh but she can't become a man, right? And it's like well yeah, she yeah, can't become God a man. doesn't want that <laughs> yeah, to happen, right? right? Same thing. God, and then they'd say to me, but you're oh so you're saying women that preach are trans. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> I mean, right, you, you do wouldn't... have a few complementarians basically making that sort of argument. What? Law. I won't Wow. Mike Law called egalitarianism theological transgenderism. Um, may Stone. his tribe increase. Wow. Uh, no, Stone. Mike Law. Mike Law. Oh, Mike Law. Did he say that? He said that at the Conservative Baptist Network meeting, right? I think, I can't remember. I didn't see the exact source. I, I saw a little term. bit of it. Yeah, that, I think, oh, okay. It was Mike. Maybe it was Mike's. I, I'm 90% I'm certain it was Mike Law. I read that and I kind of went, and this is why we can't have, this is why we can't be friends. I'll be friends with Braxton. I'll be friends with the 50 other friends of mine that are complementarians. You, you can see your, your muddy shoes out of my house. Thank yeah. You. I mean, Tom, Tom wow. Schreiner from the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, as complementarian, as Calvinist as they come, says that this is not a major issue and he's buddy, buddy with Michael Bird and they have all kinds of fun together and, and speak at each other. I think Michael Bird said that the most funny he had in Louisville was being driven around by Tom Schreiner and they disagree on all kinds of stuff about the new perspective and everything else, but yet they get along just fine. And he's in Southern But Baptist. Nick, is well, it to one a, of the only superstars they have? It is it to a certain degree, Nick, like with, with what we're doing right now, because Pritchett's more okay. I think with this, like, like if, if, we're saying things all about this issue. And to a certain degree, we're speaking up for complementarians. 
And uh, is it kind of like, are you in the spot that if we brought Leighton Flowers on and talked about Calvinism, but kind of the whole time we're like, it's not a big deal. Whereas you know that for you, this issue is kind of a big deal. Maybe it's still a second tier issue, but it's a big deal. Is it offensive to hear it talked about casually in this way? No, because at the end of the day, I try to be a consistent Baptist. You have the freedom to follow the Spirit, to read the Bible as you believe the Spirit is leading you to read the Bible with all the same tools I use. And uh, you have the freedom to come to your own conclusion. Um, And I have the freedom to basically say, you're wrong. And you have the freedom to say, I think you're wrong. And I don't, I, 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 I get offended more, and I'll be brutally honest, when I have people t- basically lie about what I believe. Like if someone comes up to me and says, oh, you're a theological liberal, I'm like, you show not only are you not a smart person, you actually have contempt for people like me. I'm not interested mm-hmm. in having a conversation with you. Now, if someone could say, I think you're a theological liberal, can you tell me why um, you affirm women in ministry? I'm like, okay, we can have that kind of conversation, I guess. Have you read this document? Have you read my book? We can have that conversation. But I, what I see, what I have more issue with is not that people disagree with me or I disagree with them. We'll be disagreeing until we get to heaven and then hopefully God will set us right. I have an issue with lying about people and manipulating people and slandering people. I dis- I, and it comes from my background. I thought I had a learning disability growing up. Uh, <laughs> didn't think I was very smart. No, I'm serious. Like, I, didn't I didn't mean to laugh at smart. you. I'm just laughing no, no, at no, the notion I, I, that it is funny. being it is nice funny. means I have a learning disability. <laughs> well, but my point is I didn't know... Um, I didn't think I was smart. And then, you know, I didn't think I was smart until I finished seminary. And even then I still didn't think I was smart. I got almost a 4.0 and only in the past, like four years of married life of talking this through and doing counseling. I'm like, Oh, I'm not stupid. I actually am smart. I'm not, you you're, know, the smartest you're person. Incredibly I smart. You're one of the smartest but, uh, theologians I know. Well, that's kind of you. I don't think that's true. I think, you know, money more smart people than I do. Than, you're than the me. good kind but, of smart. You're the good kind of smart. Because you're, but you're, I, I, my, you're, my point is, I, I'm not looking for for for, um, for pats on the back. Although I, I, my back, I don't is care. I'm going to give them to you my, whether my, you want them or not. My my, my my issue is more that I know there are brilliant people that have studied this far longer than I have that have very strong beliefs and well-founded beliefs. Doesn't mean they're right. And I think I just when I see bad mouthing, when I see talking down, um, it's not that the issue is therefore a clinical issue that you can discuss entirely like it's a in a court of law it becomes deeply personal and deeply like um cutting it 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 cuts it's we're no longer arguing about an idea we're arguing about people and why people are certain ways and why people this and people that and i'm like i just as soon miss the cultural way of engaging with people and engage people as human beings um be willing to have my mind changed um but i uh, like i said i I will not be talked down to. And I hope my complimentarian friends would say, yes, we will not talk down to you and nor will you talk down to us. We're not all sexist. I don't believe you are. I think some of you are, as I think there are some egalitarians that make very stupid arguments and are actually sexist towards men. You know, I think that is true too. That goes both ways. Is that a thing? And so my, yeah, I mean, can you be sexist a, toward I, men? Yes, I think you can. Because I've had people say, I've had people say something along the lines of, you know, you know, all white men, this and looked at me and said, well, not you. And I'm like, yeah, kind of me, kind of me, (laughs) you know, Um, and, 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 but that my point is more a matter of, I I dislike the before, if I sat down with y'all and y'all didn't know who I was and y'all were 
at the Southern Baptist Convention. You were all there and this was all, and you were triumphalistic. And I sat down and said, I'm an egalitarian. I think women can be pastors. You would have five or six thoughts about who I was and my character and my ability to read the Bible and where I come from before I even said a single thing else. And the same can be applied to complementarians. You know, you go to the UMC, you sit down. I don't know if women can be bishops and the woman bishop is up there preaching. You'd get, wow, backwater, hick, Arkansas, bigot. You know, you don't even know who your parents are, you know, kind of thing. And I'm like, maybe we just need to bypass all of this and come back to the table and have better conversations. Because I'm honestly sick of what I see in culture and I'm seeing it manifested in the church. And that's where uh, that's where the church is going to hell in a handbasket. Nick, please, stop with the mansplaining. Please, You're please mansplaining so much. Alabama, Does that mean you identify as a woman if I'm mansplaining to Those you guys? Those are perfectly <laughs> acceptable alternatives to saying Arkansas when you're talking about backwater. Okay? No. You're saying it is backwater. No. You, well, it's you the Dagobah of please, the United please States. Don't take such cheap, please, in my presence, use Alabama or or uh, Kentucky. No, I, I got to roll tide. I, I apparently have to say that. I don't know if it's a disease or something, but I got to say roll tide, so I can't say Alabama. <laughs> Okay, whatever. I don't All know right. anything about college I think there's a couple football. of questions and super chats that you really need to get to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Derek was yeah, up here. Yeah, and then we need to get out of here. So we've, we've held everyone long enough. Oh, yeah, we kept Nick too long. Yeah. Okay, uh, here oh, we go. Good. I got a few more minutes. Tell Nick his book just came in the mail. I did put this on the screen, Jonathan. Okay, thank you. Tell that. Nick his book just came in the mail. I have a few things to read before I get it to it, but it's happening. Well, praise the oh, Lord. Mine will be a quick read, so have, thank you. And also, folks, check that out in the description. Um, I don't, I have, listen, we didn't say this. I have great admiration for, uh, Rick Warren. He has done incredible things, uh, for mm -hmm. the kingdom. I know that there are things that are controversial about stuff that he's done. I believe God used his book in a dramatic way globally, uh, and historically. And I can't deny that. I mean, people have talked about reading a story out of that book to someone who was holding them hostage and the guy got saved and let him go. So, I mean, it's like God has used this book, yes. but, uh, but that doesn't mean that everything you see is still just a man. And, and that's a good takeaway is, uh, this can still happen. I, you know, I loved Norman Geisler. He spoke at our school at commencement, but there were things toward the end that I, I disagreed about that yeah. I thought were, were hurtful. So anyway, I don't know what's, what we're going to see happen here, but we'll, maybe we'll continue to cover it as it unfolds. Yeah. It's, it's very and, interesting. So and Nick, we'll have you back on again. We love you so much. You're a part of we're going to consider you an official part of the Trinity Radio team here. And so uh, thanks for being on with us with again. Do you want to say anything to summarize on your way out? Well, we got two little things to get to. Oh, oh the favorites? Yeah. No, we got to those. Oh, no, you wanted that. Okay, Jay, now, should the SBC split into over this? Absolutely not. This is, I understand the United Methodists splitting over the LGBTQ stuff. Nick's got to go, so be quick. This is not an issue to split a denomination. And I, I think Rick Warren mm. trying to rally more troops to his side to, could definitely, maybe not this generation, but in a generation, split the denomination. They've almost had it split last time over this. People left, you know, quietly or loudly or whatever in the past. This is not, don't try to cause division in a denomination unless you have to. And this is not an issue. Like, what if he's revealing division that's already there? Nick looked like he had a disagreement here. Okay, Nick, that's no. I I I think you, if you disagree with the Southern Baptist Convention, just leave. There's plenty. Yeah. <laughs> there's plenty of other Southern uh, Southern Baptist ish. Go be you know. There's all sorts of Baptist denominations. I'm sorry, Baptist denominations. Uh, just move. Just leave. Like and and just don't you know. Don't let the door hit you on the butt on the way out. Just there you go. 
Now, Pritchett, I'm going to ask you this last question right in front of Nick, and then we're going to go. Does Pritchett still think women are bad drivers by default? Yes. People think that because I'm an egalitarian doesn't mean I'm never rude towards women. No, because I'm an egalitarian, I I treat women as rudely as I treat men. And so I have no problem. Women, you're bad drivers, period. Every time I leave this parking deck, it's always some woman that's swerving through the deck at 90 miles per hour that I... Is your wife a better driver than you? Absolutely not. She tells me to drive. And I'm like, no, I'm an egalitarian. You drive me around every now and then. She's like, no, I'm a complementarian. And since you're an egalitarian, listen to me. should be a good husband and listen to your wife and be what she is. All right, Nick, anything to sum up? Uh, Pragmatism sucks. Rick Warren has done amazing things. And uh, we should be able to get along and do missions together and cooperate. Uh, Yeah. All right, guys, this has been awesome. Pritchett, thanks for putting together a good show and Nick for being here. And with that, we'll see you next time on, oh, sign up for courses at trinitysem.edu. We'll see you later on Trinity Radio.